it's a new day. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, everybody? It's your boy, Darius J. And I'm Stevie Neal. And it's your girl, Bella G. With special guest, Krista Idowu. And this is Conversate. Let's talk about it. Hey, we in hey. here. It's Sunday. The sun's out. Fun's in. Not a lot of people wear masks right now. <laughs> yeah, it, it has been unleashed. I I was in town helping my brother move, and yeah, people of it's it's bonanza out here right it's now. COVID it's like chain out here. It's crazy <laughs> because before COVID, that was normal. Now it's not. So it's right. like you look at people as like. Wow, where your basket? I was walking on exactly. I was walking on the trail and sneeze because I got allergies. <laughs> and the lady behind me turned, had did a little trot forward, like not the uh, trot. Uh, <laughs> hey, 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 man, you don't see all this pollen flowing in these woods. I, I, I got, I can sneeze. Oh, I ain't got that thing. I ain't got that thing. <laughs> I was looking around and say, "It's looking real Kennesaw-like right now." <laughs> what is going on? I but can't. I realized what happened. You know, the decree has been made. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Been lifted. Yeah. <laughs> then it just happened out of nowhere. It was like yeah. the week before. It was like exactly. keep masking up. Then out of nowhere, everything Mask is up. fine Mask now. Like Yo. we're here. You can gather in big groups now. Like COVID is over, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, they was just like, no, nah, it ain't out here no more. You, 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 you was imagining things. You know what I'm saying? But. <laughs> But that's just the weird oh, yeah. part about, you know, that's Georgia. That's the South. You know how we get down. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. Yeah. Alabama you know. and Florida, they never do COVID protocols, by the way. Oh, yeah. yeah Georgia never did it. did it either. No. Technically, that's yes. True. Technically, that's true. we never that, did it. Hey, we have to put the. Yes. <laughs> I mean, on paper, we did it, but. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, In real life. <laughs> Y'all always had that guy like, this is God's hair. It is. It is. And you are privileged enough to, to breathe it in. Okay. But just make sure you wash your hands and right. try to cover up. That. You know what I'm saying? Because we don't know what you may have. You exactly. may have Influcovid. Influcovid. COVID. Man, that sounds wow. like a wild life that we live in the South. Yeah. So we're going to get further into that. How are we living? Mm. And we're going to start with our special guest, Krista. Krista, how you living, Krista? I'm living well. This week, um, we've been focused on house hunting. Um, not actually like the hunting part, but all of the adulting that goes into finding a new house. And it's been like learning a new language. And oh, one of the things, um, we started working with a real estate agent and a mortgage broker and then I spoke to my aunt, who is a financial advisor, and she made everything make sense. Like lots of the times when we're looking for new houses, we're looking at um, the principal, the interest, the tax and the insurance. And we're like, OK, I can afford this. But she was like, no, nah, there's other costs like there's the maintenance. You know, you got a budget for that. You got a budget for the roof. You got a budget for leaks. You know, you've got a budget for your um, Wi-Fi and all of that. And I think lots of us millennials and gens well millennials i think millennials are at the point of like 
we didn't know all of this. I mean, unless, I mean, if we hadn't owned homes before, like yeah. renting yeah. is different, but like owning yeah. like lawn care and pesticides and all of that termites. And right. so she helped yeah. me put together a budget to, okay, this is what I can actually afford. So I won't be house rich and cash poor. Mm. So that's the Man. lesson of the day. <laughs> where that auntie yet? Tell her Darius Cummins can be her nephew as well. <laughs> she she's the financial advisor, not to name drop, but Charlene Holland. Um, uh-huh. y'all can look her up. She is nice. really dope, really dope financial advisor. Charlene, I'm coming to see you, man. Miss <laughs> Harlan, I'm on the way. That's right, that's right. So, so how you live in Mela G? Yeah, um, I'm living, I'm here. <laughs> um, but no, this past week has been um, a game changer. Uh, I think um, there's so many things that's going on, like at the school that I work at, and mm-hmm. um, it's really teaching me a lot spiritually <laughs> and the patience that I lack. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I think uh, one of the biggest things. Um, so on Friday, I think it was, yeah, I almost had a panic attack because. It was so overwhelming. I was being pulled in so many different directions. My supervisor wanted me to do one thing. I have friends texting me and needing help in this area. And I was just trying to process everything at one time. And uh, we had just got out of the meeting. And my supervisor came in the office and was like, in 10 minutes, can you come to my office and can we do this? And I'm like, I feel my chest tightening. And I felt like I was on the verge of tears. And I was just like, mm. give me 30 minutes. I need to go like breathe because I'm about to explode. And I literally walked outside and just started praying. And I just felt like the Holy Spirit was just like reminding me, like, you need to you need to take a break. Like, you need to take care of yourself. Um, and I think that's something I've been doing lately, mm-hmm. like just making sure that I'm doing that self-care. Like I've been pouring out to other people, whether it be my coworkers, whether it be it's, you know, being there for my job, being there for my own businesses. Um but I haven't really taken that time to just like take care of me. And so that's what I did yesterday. I just spent the morning, just spending time with God and just doing something that I enjoyed um, because I just felt like I needed that. So it was just me chilling on the couch, watching one of my favorite movies. And I watch movies that I'm familiar with because it doesn't give me anxiety because I don't know what's happening. I think that's Mm -hmm. like the comfort of watching movies that's familiar because it's like I already know what's going to happen. I know Mm -hmm. where I'm going to laugh. I know the parts to the movies. I'm talking along with it. So it's a sort of like therapy. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think that was this week has reminded me like I got to slow down and I got to make sure that I'm taking care of myself as I'm pouring out to other people, too. So, yeah, this week was really like helpful in that way um but i'm excited for the things that's happening you know with our school as we're pushing towards accreditation and becoming a school where we'd be able to give out degrees be financially eligible you know so people can come to do our programs and get financial aid assistance so i'm excited you know that we're going in that way and how we're going to continue to grow as a team but it's a little overwhelming right now because we don't have a lot of staff so we're wearing multiple hats until we get to that place where we can actually hire you know, reliable people and be able to delegate those tasks. So, but yeah, it's, 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 I've been living good though. I think it was good to kind of slow down yesterday and just kind of take care of myself. Um, so that I can kind of go into the week fresh. That's good. Yeah. That's good, Mel. You know what I'm saying? 
I'm glad you're starting to listen. I know. Take care of yourself. <laughs> listen down. to your body, man. Listen to your body. I keep trying to tell you, do too much. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, how you living? Steve. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I was yeah, I was I was waiting patiently for my cue. So uh, thank Oh you. look at you. <laughs> he you, didn't introduce himself this time. Yes. <laughs> um but how I've been living, it's uh just been uh really well, first of all, I'm reading this book, Experiencing God by Black Being King. Um, and I was on the chapter of doing God's will. And the big point that stood out to me was when we're asking God what we want, what he wants us to do, we often ask, okay, what is God's will for my life? Mm -hmm. Okay. But then the primary question probably should more be, um, is somebody spam calling me? Yeah. Um, well, that just said me. I was like, how am I calling? No, 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 no. <laughs> but yeah, but the, the bigger question should be, uh, what is God's will? Yeah. And then how can I join in on that, you know, with what God's will is happening around me? So um, a good test of that is a small group. So we have a small group that we're all in. Um, you know, Darius J, Mello, and myself, the Revive Small Group. Um, mm -hmm. And since last episode, we were like, okay, we want to invite as many people as possible. So let's invite people from the show. You know what I mean? Let's let's see if our listeners would just, you know, pull up on Zoom mm -hmm, and yeah. uh, join in in our small group. Uh, so uh, we've been hard at work at that, you know, putting these out here. Uh, that's the Zoom information, guys. That's the real Zoom. You know, we're out here. You know, tap in, please. Tap in. It's some great conversation. Great conversation. Um, the last two weeks have been good. Um, you know, Coach Jack, our last guest, he showed up. You know, he he tapped in from work. Um, and then last week was just real good. Just you know, we brought some people together that normally wouldn't really be in the same circles. Like you know, like a couple we know in um. Uh, they're not in North Carolina anymore. Well, they are. Yeah, they are in North Carolina. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, Shawnee, one of our past guests, they hooked up, had a real co good conversation during our small group mm -hmm. um, and encouraged one another. And I think that's what it's all about. It's about yeah. really kind of removing the veil, the curtain that we kind of can put up, you know, and just really have a nice conversation. Now, you know, we love having guests over, and that's been the norm for small group pre-COVID. You know what I mean? Just having a nice meal with everyone. But mm -hmm. this is the next best thing because, you know, it's not a podcast. It's not a sermon or a service. It's, you know, we're just showing up for one another and, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. having a nice conversation. So Revive Small Group. Check it out. Um, and just, uh, yeah, like I said, um, helped my brother move into the city and saw all the maskless people and you know <laughs> <laughs> you know and just like this is the new normal i guess going into the summertime and more people be uh, you know getting vaccinated you know yeah, our <clears throat> our yeah. ministry's been involved with that <laughs> like getting people vaccinated and 
and everything. So, um, so yeah, yeah, that's how I've been living this week, at least. Mm. Nice. That's what's up. So, how you living, Darius J? I'm living well. <laughs> <laughs> but nah, uh, this week has been uh, a challenging week. You know mm. what I'm saying? I've been having to recalibrate and really schedule my week. Uh, because I took upon this challenge that I challenged my brother with. Oh, yeah. Y'all been <laughs> I, going hard, y'all. Yeah. I've been on this challenge, me and my wife. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm glad I got somebody in the house that's going to encourage me not to uh, fail at this uh, challenge. Because this challenge is a, a very uh, mentally tough thing. It's not about, like, it's not about what people think it's about. You know what I'm saying? Because mm. what, what it is, is like, you know... Working out twice a day, you know what I'm saying? Sticking to a, a, a discipline, a meal discipline, drinking a gallon of water, mm. uh, reading 10 pages of a book, whether it's oh going to be helping you mentally or spiritually. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just adding that with work <laughs> and school coming up, you know what I'm saying? Because it's like I'm going to really find out how hard because I got classes on. And the crazy part, I got two classes on Saturday, you know what I'm saying? Mm. Oh, and I got class on Wednesday, you know what I'm saying? Which oh, they moved man. on me. I was just like, oh, it's a Tuesday class. Like, no, we slid it to Wednesday. Wow, and I was just like, you make me sick. Uh, <laughs> I, told, I specifically picked your class because it was on a Tuesday. And you know what I'm saying? But, you know, adjusting, calibrating. Making sure I'm scheduling my time to make sure I do these things because it's it's about just really pushing through the uh, monotony, you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. the mundane. Mm-hmm. Because if you can push through things that you have to repeatedly do every day, day in and day out, you become more disciplined. You find mm-hmm. the mental toughness. You find the time. You make the time. Not even just mm-hmm. find it. You make the time because the time is always there. Yeah. People just try to treat it like it's something that's hiding. Time is always around you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So you make the time. You have either have to get up early, like I do. I'm up by 1.35 every morning. Oh, my goodness. You know what I'm saying? I go do my first workout, go to work. You know what I'm saying? I try to knock about everything off that list. I do my read. Most times I read about 20 pages. I can't. Sometimes I books I read, is it's not easy. I can't just read 10 pages. I'd be like, man, 10 pages? It's such a good stuff on them coming up on you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. and you know <clears throat> it's just been opening my mind more to just you know the possibilities of god because i feel like god put me on this path you know what i'm saying to mm-hmm. just become a better version of myself or i could be able to really tap into his people and the kingdom the way i want to you know what i'm saying the way he wants me to you know what i'm saying like and I'm going on this journey for that. It's not really just for me. You know what I'm saying? It's for the people I need to come in contact with. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, yeah, it's been a learning experience. Seven days in, I got 72 months. No, 60-something mm-hmm. more. And we're going to mm-hmm. see we're going to come out on the end of it. And, you know Grace. what I'm saying? Hey, you're over the hump. Grace to you. Right. Right. So, you know, 
It's been good, man. And I'm glad, you know what I'm saying? Me and my wife, we've been walking together and stuff like that. And we went walking today. Most during the week, we have to walk on different times because she worked from home. I'm going from home. So I had to fit those things in, manipulate my schedule a little bit. But it's been good. Can't complain. I always been, I always drunk a gallon of water a day. So it really wasn't a big deal. Everything else is that. Everything else right. is a problem. You know what I'm saying? Everything else. I'm used to working out once. You know what I'm saying? And it's like and sticking to the diet discipline. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's been good. You know what I'm saying? I see the, the fruits of it, the benefits of it. You know, and, um, you know, just trying to be better, man. You know what I'm saying? I don't want uh, my body to be the reason I couldn't fulfill my destiny. I don't want my health or my mentality to be the thing that stopped me from achieving all the things that God put on the earth for me to achieve. I would not want to get to heaven and have him say to me, this is all the stuff I had you to do. And this is stuff you chose to do. Yeah. I don't want to dive into that sin of self like that. I want to be mm -hmm. able to achieve all the things God got for me. That's how I've been living. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, indeed. Um, so sounds like everybody has been living expeditiously. So we will get into our show today. We're going to start with our first topic. So part of grad weekend might be going out to a nice restaurant. <laughs> you know, we all have our favorites that we frequent. And we're going to talk about a particularly interesting one in Houston in their third ward called the turkey leg hut mm -hmm. um they opened about four years ago they actually started five years ago selling the turkey legs at rodeos and you know rodeos are huge in houston yeah. um and they were got, getting so successful that people would come to the rodeos just to, just to eat. eat yep just wow, to yeah. eat guys so then they were like okay well let's set up a restaurant where people can eat at so in 2017 that happened um, so they set up on Alameda road and it has been wildly successful lines out of yeah. the door, yeah. uh, for some of these Turkey legs and, but they've experienced some issues, um, because Alameda road has largely started to become gentrified. Mm. There have been some complaints, um, from I don't know, maybe people that frequent the restaurant, maybe people from outside um, that have caused some problems. So the issue that we're here to discuss, mm -hmm. and we know this in Atlanta as well with a lot of successful black businesses around here, mm -hmm. are black businesses being targeted by outside communities? Mm -hmm. You know, based on what we're seeing mm -hmm. from this story, we're seeing a lot of coded complaints, noise, yeah noxious smoke you know crowd control you know these seem like innocent and innocuous in and of themselves but kind of coded at the same time uh, we can go around and react to this and then get it deeper into it as well yeah um i was reading the article that was shared in the um group and uh there was like one line where i'm just like the lengths that people will go yeah. just to like 
discredit. (laughs) Especially like black owned businesses. Like there was literally people waiting in dumpsters. Like, (laughs) like, you know, people like, you know, trying to still trying to imitate what they were doing. And of course they failed, but it's just like, I just don't get it, man. You know, like as I was reading it, it kind of made me think about like Slutty Vegan and how yeah. mm-hmm. like, everybody was just like on this hype. Like I remember when I found out about it, it was through social media and they were like these lines and lines and lines of people of all ethnicities. Like it wasn't, you know, it was mostly black people because that's mostly what I follow. But, um, you know, it was just like kind of bringing people together. But then you think about, you know, around the time where all these injustices were happening the last summer, a lot of those black businesses down in that area were being targeted, Um, you know, and it's just, I just feel like we just can never have anything good, you know, people just don't (laughs) want to be supportive and just like, you know, pour into us from that way, but they're always trying to take, you know, and try to replicate, but then, Mm. you know, fell. So it's just, it's, it's, it's like, you know, I think with any time we talk about racist injustice, it's like it's not a surprise to me, yeah. and it, it's, it 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 hurts that I'm almost numb to this. Yeah. Um, but it's like I always have to make myself aware. It's like you know, because all of us on on here, like we're we're African American people who are you know, you know, successful in our own lanes, and there's things that you know we're trying to accomplish as well. And I think the biggest thing that I always struggle with is like that, you know being able to make something successful, whether it's brick and mortar or online and having to deal with, you know, those injustices because of the color of my skin. And mm-hmm. it's just, you know, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful. I want to go try it because them, I don't know if y'all saw the pictures. Yeah. Oh, wait, wait. I got you. I got you, Mella. Oh my yeah. I'm yeah. thinking that looks so good. Let me tell you something. Yeah. I'm, I go to, well, I, hopefully I can go before then, but um, Ashley is getting married in Texas, so yeah. I'm definitely going to be hitting Dang. that up. <laughs> I, re- I remember them at the rodeos, though, because it's like when I used to be out in Texas a lot, I used to be out there at the rodeos with the Fonz, you know what I'm saying? One of my Latino partners called him Fonz. Because <laughs> that's what he dressed like. You know what I'm saying? Oh <laughs> that's what he dressed like. I never seen him without a leather jacket. And a white yeah. t-shirt and a pair of jeans. You know what I'm saying? So I like, man, the funds. You know what I'm saying? We used to go to the radio. So I experienced some of them turkey wings. You know what I'm saying? Back when they was just a little, little stove front uh, with a little hut. You know wow. Um, but it's unfortunate, though. Yeah. One reason why I feel like it's unfortunate because just like, why everything always has to be targeted that you don't understand or you can't be a part of? I never yeah. get that. I just like, okay, you, you, you're not a part of it. But I guarantee if it was a line of your people, you would have a problem. You know what I'm saying? Or if it's a line of our people lined up at your restaurant. You know what I'm saying? And I'd be wanting to just say, hey, Karen, if you can't cook, just say that. <laughs> but, you know. Just say that. Because just like I remember, so just like one popular barbecue restaurant that people go to and it's always packed you see cars parked all over and it's right down on the outside little five points i think it's fox brothers barbecue oh yeah, oh, yeah. you know what i'm saying oh yes oh my it's, god it's, it's so hard it's so hard to get in that place you it's know what so I'm hard today, 
You know what I'm saying? And like I tell people, you don't hear nobody complaining about that. You know why? Because it's mostly other populations there that's not black. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Black people do eat there. Ironically, in a neighborhood that was once considered very black. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Same, same with this gentrification. Yeah. Yeah, they gentrified the food like that, that area. Yeah. I was telling people, I was telling somebody the other day, I was like, man, I used to hang out over here with none of these people here. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Back in 2003 and 2005 mm. and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like, but it's is unfortunate and we, i know we're talking about a different location but it is the case because you know it's what i'm saying same, even yeah. people was upset thing. by slutty vegan and just yeah. like it's another restaurant in texas you know what i'm saying that serves the best baked potato i ever ate in my entire life you know what <laughs> what I'm um and it's unfortunate because people run into that people color mm-hmm. it just like if they see you succeeding it's just like man mm-hmm. I, I take offense to you succeeding you know what i'm yeah. saying like it's yeah. not just like, man, they bringing money into this uh, section. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because they have to spend money there because they're paying taxes into whatever building they are holding on and stuff like that. So they're bringing stuff into the community. It ain't like they're stealing from the community. they actually yeah. contributing. Why are you mad at somebody contributing? Because of their skin or you may not like how everything reacts, but... If restaurants are doing good and businesses are doing good, the community is doing good. Yeah. So you right. can't really be mad at that. You know what I'm saying? Like you just you, you just not participate and just say that. You know what I'm saying? Or you don't feel comfortable participating. All that stuff is a, a them thing. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Especially with that that company, because those people are good people. You know yeah. what I'm saying? I don't met them before, they're good people. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? They don't disrespect nobody. And even the people that be there, they don't disrespect nobody. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? So, hey, whoever got a problem with that, hey, man, just go get blessed by the food, man. I promise you. <laughs> I guarantee you, you won't even be upset. Ask the people at the rodeo. Yeah. But the crazy part about it, oh it was God, the crazy part about it, yo, it was just like, what's what's mostly at the rodeo? You know, ain't a really lot of mm-hmm. black people at the rodeo. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Now, we have this now Texas is a little different. They do have, you know, nice dynamic of Latino blacks and, mm-hmm. and white people. But they there too. And guess what they be doing? You should do what they do at the rodeo. Just get in the line and bless your stomach. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> hey, um, so uh Krista, um, I'd like you to jump in on this. Just uh you have any thoughts? Yeah, um the one of the first things that comes to my mind is this quote that I read and it said, um, when you're used to privilege, equality looks like persecution. Mm. And I think that's sort of what's going on here. Mm-hmm. It's where wow. when you see, when you're privileged, you have to maintain that privilege. Yeah. Mm. When someone else is successful, then it threatens your higher status. Exactly. So mm. you up here, if we become level, then you're no longer up here. You're no longer above me. Right. You know, mm. and so it feels like something is wrong. Something is um, something's out of line because someone else is doing someone that I look down upon is doing well. Mm-hmm. You saw what happened with, I mean, it's sad. I don't even want to bring this up, but the Tulsa, Oklahoma situation yeah. with yeah. Black Wall Street. Yeah. You know, it's like, and I think the centennial is this year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it's like Black success becomes a threat. One of the reasons Black success is a threat is because of the whole in-group, out-group 
dynamic. You know, when you're when you're when the out group, when the outsiders become successful and they become powerful, then you feel like your livelihood becomes threatened. Your safety becomes threatened. And one of the reasons why that threatened, why, why it feels like it's a threat is because of the oppression that yeah. our, they put, they put our, those people through. Yeah. Our non-melanated brothers and sisters have put us through, put our ancestors through. So our success and our power is like, are we going to get revenge? Like, you know, how are we going to react when we become more powerful? Yeah. So there's a legitimate fear that they have. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a it's a generational fear that they have of our yeah. success, yeah. but it's sickening because it's it's been limiting us. And I think I think we've inter- internalized some of that as well, where we don't mm-hmm. we don't see ourselves as being able to become as successful as white people. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, OK, we have a black version of this. We have a black version of that. But it's like, OK. Are we innovators? Yes, yeah. we're innovators. Yeah. Can we do this? I mean, one of the situ- one of the um, things that really frustrated me about this particular situation, the company tried to get a business loan, and despite how successful they are, they were denied a business loan. Yep. Mm-hmm. You yep. know, and that happens very often in the black community where we're denied business loans, and it's and it holds us back. But the cool thing about this, um, the Turkey Hut. Turkey, what is Turkey Leg Hut? Turkey Leg Hut, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The cool thing about Turkey Leg Hut, they were like, you know what? Even if I'm not going to be supported by the government or outside, we're still going to be successful. We're going to do our thing. Mm -hmm. And they're opening up other brands, other, um, they're doing a breakfast hut and other pop ups and all of that. So they're successful. Shows that we are resilient people. Yep. Mm -hmm. We are resilient people. So despite all of the hurdles that have been placed, upon mm-hmm. us and upon our ancestors, we still have risen above to become mm-hmm. successful. Yep. I mean, let me just frame this, um, mm-hmm. just how successful they are. They average 25,000 customers <laughs> a week. A week. Okay. They did a pop-up in Dallas. Their first pop-up in Dallas Mm-hmm. Serve twenty thousand rings in two, two days. Yes, mm. two, two days. So they oh, did almost a week up. of business wow. in two days. Day. Wow! Okay. we come out better. <laughs> yes, I saw there's um some people waiting in line for twelve hours. Yeah, when they yeah. said was, when they did a pop up, there were people waiting in line for twelve hours. They stood there because mm-hmm. this stuff was so good. Yeah. And the cool thing about their business model is that they use they use nostalgic food, yep. you know, mm-hmm. that, that like funnel cakes. And mm-hmm. um, I forgot the other kind of the little balls or whatever. I forgot what they're called. And um, these turkey legs, usually when you get those things, you, you're at a fair or you're at a rodeo yeah. or you're somewhere that's nostalgic, but they made it widely available for every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so they, they built upon our nostalgia and, and won. Yeah, it's a lot of turkeys biting the dust out there. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm just, I'm just um, keeping it real. It's turkeys is, hey, oh <laughs> turkeys yeah. are real in depth. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, goodness. so some of the stuff, because they stuff the turkey legs, you know, like they do at rodeos yeah. and fairs and stuff, Alfredo, shrimp, shrimp. crawfish, crawfish, and, yep. of course, mac and cheese like we saw in this I beautiful picture. <laughs> oh, my Jesus. gosh. 
Yeah, that, that's um. Uh, yeah, that's they, um. Re, not red beans and rice, but um. I was about to say jollof rice because <laughs> my husband's Nigerian, but yeah. it's that right. I forgot what it's called, but it's one of those what, um, Creole what? rice. Jambalaya. 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 Yeah. So this is what they're doing. Uh, shout out. Uh, Lynn and Nakia Price, um, you know, for starting this thing. Um, yeah. Nakia Price was uh, at he the University of Houston on a basketball scholarship. That's how she got to Houston and then just fell in love with the city and started this business uh, with her husband. It's a dope um, so, yes. Oh, yeah. I almost we were this close to moving yeah. to Houston. We were this close. Wow. We love the city. Um, yeah. But uh, I said we actually have some commentary coming through as well. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and put it up here. Uh, yeah, there's actually a problem in gentrification of communities. New people move in and a spike in complaints cause people of color to sell or leave the community. Yeah. And I mean, I wholeheartedly agree. Um, like I said, me and Krista, we grew up in South DeKalb, mm -hmm. which has been predominantly black and very successful for a very long time. Yeah. But what is happening is and we dealt with this in childhood but now more than ever yeah. they're trying to convince us that our land isn't worth as much yeah, as it yeah. is yeah. even though we have blue collar people we have white collar people white people you know, we have all different kinds of houses we got sandstone estates and oh, sandstone yeah. Yeah. Those especially are like off the panel okay. that go down Mm -hmm. Ask where you live in and stuff like that. That's exactly what I'm Big talking about. Big old houses out there. Yeah. Beautiful They're, houses. Yep. Nice Literal land. mansions. How okay. y'all say Kanye's worth more than uh the Cab County? I just want to know that. Kanye's is literally nothing. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> they, they, got, they, just, they just started getting Chick-fil-A's and stuff out there with the past exactly. 10 years. Y'all exactly. trying to say all that stuff out there. I, hey, I'm ashamed of you people. <laughs> No, no, and, my, and my point is, is like mm. we, have, you know, all this hard-earned money is flowing through these communities. Yet they're like, you can't have a Whole Foods, you can't have a Dave and Buster's, you can't have a, a movie theater. Yeah. Like we don't have a movie theater. Okay. We had one. We had yeah. one, and it. Shut well, we down. had two, and both of them shut down. Exactly. The Stonecrest one and the South Cab one shut down. Exactly. Yeah, mm. yeah. The, the South Cab one. Got it. North Cab now. North yeah, Cab is our closest movie theater. That literally. So, yeah, ah, yeah. you know, I mean, they mentioned that I'm passionate in, about because they, they mentioned that in the article too. Because at some point, you know, there was a lawsuit filed, mm, and there was wow. these excuses that was actually made to kind of. Um, let me just see if I can pull it up. Oh, oh hit Mel being technical. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, what happened was. Um, Let's see. So there we I go. Mean, so, yeah, yeah, go ahead. so basically what happened was um someone in the community well, of course, like that area in general, I guess it was being uh gentrified. Mm -hmm. And in one claim, a neighbor filed a lawsuit alleging that the restaurant's noxious smoke was significantly impacting their quality <laughs> of life. <laughs> and so eventually the plaintiffs dropped their case. Um, and Nakia and Lynn said it, it was a um, direct assault on inherent blackness of their business and the disruption <laughs> of ongoing gentrification in the neighborhood and region. So basically, you know, like, um, so it's like they, they were already kind of coming into that area already yeah. trying to gentrify it. 
And kind of like to what Erica was saying, it's just that, you know, if they don't, if it doesn't fit the mold of where they're trying to go, then it's like, it's it's almost like trying to make up excuses to kind of force them to sell or leave, you know, the area because it's messing up their flow. So like... Yeah, like the the mold because because only black people smoke tobacco, right? <laughs> I mean, come on! I mean, come on! Like, what what kind of complaint is people smoke yeah. at restaurants? Like, yeah. no, I think they're talking about the smoke, smoke like, from smoke the, in the wings, the, the, the turkey legs. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was about to say that's kind of, cr- but rest. It's a restaurant. <laughs> what, what do you? Yeah, like, to do? It's, they, like they they smoke the wings, guys. That's how you get. Yeah. And, I, and you know what? I ain't explaining that because Texas is the king of barbecue. You right. know how meat is did <laughs> in Texas. That don't make sense. You sound insane, whoever you are. You know exactly. what I'm saying? And that's the thing that we, that black people have to face, unfortunately, when you're doing right. good. You know, what everything's saying? a problem. They expect you to do the things that they, that they did to you. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Just like Sister Crystal said, it's a, it's in, it's in, it's in the DNA. Unfortunately, you know what I'm saying? They feel like, all right, when these mm-hmm. people get successful, they gonna inflict the pain on us that we inflicted on them. <laughs> but we ain't them type of people, y'all. Y'all gonna understand that one day. We could have been punched in your mouth, but we don't. Yeah. <laughs> we ain't got that. Yeah. <laughs> we trying to live. We trying to enjoy life instead of find out and figure out what y'all doing. You know right. what I'm saying? That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so I, th- I thought I thought this was uh, a great article by the Washington Post to kind of you know highlight this thing that's happening in a lot of predominantly black communities or successful black people uh, being targeted in this way. And man, I got to get to Houston and get one of these wings, you know, I got to go. So, so now we're going to transition into another grad weekend activity. Some people will kind of steal the thunder from grad week by proposing. Okay, we've talked about this. We've talked about this. Some guy decides at a at his girl's graduation, hey, you know what? I'm gonna be special too, and I'm gonna ask her to marry me. All right, no, no, I'll 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 hold that judgment. You know, <laughs> yeah. Well, I I guess I just didn't. But no, you didn't. Um, <laughs> but you know, it happens. You know, proposals happen during grad uh, season. But the question we're here to ask. Are proposals starting to be a two-way street? Oh, you know? talking about where's the lady getting on, getting her knee dirty, as the old people say. Are you going to get your knee dirty? <laughs> exactly. You know Are we at a point? Because this topic is out here, man. It is it's always out, out here. here. It's all, and it always is. Yes, it's kind of something we can always really talk about. We haven't talked about this in detail, I'm surprised, in these yeah. 60 episodes. So... <laughs> We're going to get into it now. So this image has been out here for a few weeks now. Where I found it, it was shared over 35,000 times. Okay. It had like 9,000 comments. And there's really no context to it. We don't know the story here. We can see she's pregnant. We can see she's proposing on a beach. And we can see the dude. Did not expect this to happen. So (laughs) with those details, we can have a discussion because I feel like we can go to the well on this whenever we want to. 
Uh, is uh, it cool uh, women are proposing like this? Yeah, we're gonna start with the latest. I got to hear this. Yeah, we got, we, I gotta hear this. I'm not going first. You know, I'll go first because I'm 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 a very open-minded person. Like mm-hmm. some of my beliefs would probably shock you, especially when it has to do with cultural things. One, because I'm married to a Nigerian who has gotten my mind to open a little bit more culturally wise. Mm. But when it comes to the woman proposing, my issue with it is that women are naturally more accurately emotionally expressive. Mm. So mm. we know when we're ready to get married. We mm. usually are ready to get married. Mm. And the guy, it takes a little bit more time for him to tap into that part of himself to be ready to start a family and to be ready to commit to being a husband and a father or whatever comes from that particular marriage. Right. So when a man proposes, he's already processed through all of that ah. and he's ready. If a woman proposes to a man, he might not be ready. Yeah. Or he's and more likely not to be he's as more ready. likely not to be as ready. And with this situation with the woman already being pregnant, okay, he had no choice but to be ready to be a I mean, I wouldn't say a father, but <laughs> at least a, a, a dad or whatever. Yeah. He had to already be ready for that. But the fact that he hadn't proposed already to her, even though she was pregnant, shows that he might not have been ready. Mm-hmm. And like I said earlier, like women are more accurately emotionally expressive. Mm. Man, it takes a while for them to become accurately emotionally expressed. I say mm. accurately because men mm. do express their emotions in way like men are just as emotional as women. Some people yeah. there's this there's this flawed thinking that women are more emotional. We're all yes, emotional, we're equally we're emotional, yeah, we and are. we're emotionally expressive. Like yeah. you know, like I mean, not to bring up something crazy, but like sometimes when dudes get like. They feelings hurt. They start wilding mm. out. Oh, yeah, right. So women we are men. Are thing when, you know, yes. so like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> We're both emotionally expressive, but women yeah. are more accurately emotionally expressive. And that's um, the act of proposing is an emotional, romantic, expressive gesture. Yeah. So I would say that if a man proposes to a woman, there is a higher likelihood that that relationship is ready to move forward mm-hmm. if, the, if they've discussed it ahead of time. Because sometimes men propose to women and they ain't ready. The woman mm-hmm. isn't ready. Right. Or the man is trying to do it to just prove, you know, right. but usually if the woman is ready, the man proposes, they're ready. Not mm-hmm. all the time, but there's a higher, there's a higher, there's a higher percentage. Yes, a yeah. higher chance. Mm-hmm. If the woman proposes is a higher likelihood that the man wasn't ready. So that's my only problem with it. Not because it's gender roles or traditional nothing. It's because of that particular fact. Mm. Mm -hmm. That's good. That's good. Uh, Mella, you're up. You got anything to say, uh, Mella? (laughs) You're up. Like, (laughs) batter's next. Um, No, I definitely agree with uh, what Krista was saying. I think one of the biggest, well, I commented on it and I was like, well, what's the context, right? Because like even on the original post, it wasn't like this long like 
you know, I just feel like nope. when people post po pictures like that, there's like a story behind it. And you're mm -hmm. like, oh my gosh, you know, like this was so cool, da, 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 whatever the case may be. Or, you know, sometimes you have those jokes like where people will start out with this long story and then you get to the end of the caption and it's like, actually, this is not me. We're just playing around and da, 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 whatever the case <laughs> may be. So I think, you know, I mean, that was my initial, you know, reaction. Of course, being able to kind of go through the comments and kind of unpack people's perspective I, you know, I was kind of like on the same wavelength that you were as you were sharing. Me personally, I wouldn't be getting down on the knee uh, proposing to uh, my significant other. Um, but I do the the biggest thing that I was trying to just wrap my head around is as I was reading the comments was like, for me, I'm a I'm a very strong willed individual. I have. I have some very like strong, like masculine energy when it comes to like building relationships. Like I, I can be very initiative, but I also have to be mindful that I'm not too like dominant. Um, and I think that comes from, you know, being able to, I mean, I grew up with some very strong minded matriarchs and they ran the household and, you know, there wasn't a lot of like consistent men around and, you know, um, I mean, I, I had, you know, men in my life, but they weren't like consistent, you know, I, in the, in the marriages in general, there was no really healthy, like I'd never seen a proposal ever in my family. <laughs> and whether it was a woman proposing to a man or a man proposing to a woman, I, I've never, I had never seen that. I really didn't even start seeing proposals until I actually started becoming a disciple at the Path Church. And I was like, oh, these things happen. You know, I thought this was just the movies. Um, but I think in that general, it's like, I'm not one to judge. I don't really know what that, what the guy was thinking. He could have been caught off guard. He could have been like, oh my goodness. Um, but it was kind of interesting because if, it'll be one thing if she wasn't pregnant, but then like, if you're ready to be a father, clearly, <laughs> you know, like, aren't, why is you not ready to commit? And I know there could probably be like a, a lot of different things in there because, you know, there could be pressures. I know um, I know a lot of people that, I mean, people that I know have gotten married because of kids, because yeah. they're kids. And yeah. they don't truly love each other. Like, yeah. they're just there for the sake of the child. And I'm just like, well, why would you put yourself through that? Like, like I literally was in real time talking to a friend about it, and I just really couldn't understand. I mean, I don't have kids, so I don't... I, I can't say like I can completely relate or whatever the case may be, but I still yeah. didn't understand it. You know, and it's like you had kids with this man, but this, but he's not healthy for you. So, yeah. you know, and I get, I mean, I get trying to want to have that family. And then I know the person's history too, and them growing up, not the parents, both parents in the home and et cetera, et cetera. So it's like, you want better for your kids and things like that. So I'm, learn like seeking to understand and not be understood or yeah. try to like force my opinions on that person because of what I feel, but just trying to give them the space to be able to kind of explain to me like your thought process and why you're making these decisions. Yeah. Um, but I mean, like overall, like, I mean, I don't agree with it. I mean, but it's her life. I don't know what the end result was, but I know there was somebody in the comments that said that somebody did the same thing and they've been married for, you know, 20 plus years. So, I mean, it could happen, you know, mm -hmm. where the woman is, you know, able to express herself and the man is like, okay, yeah, let's do this and it could be successful. But like the likelihood, you know, that you were explaining, 
Um, I think it's last the the chances are higher when the guy has reached a level of like, mm. okay, I know this is what I want. And yeah. the woman is on the same page as well. And they're able to go into that commitment together. Oh my God. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm a- Oh, you going you you gonna jump in first, Barry? <laughs> the masculine perspective. Yeah, I'm finna I'm finna All slide right. on I'm finna slide on in and like feet and flip flops. <laughs> uh, uh, oh my god! Yeah, man, let me tell you something. I agree, with, uh, uh, Sister Crystal. Uh, on one front, you know what I'm saying, like. It's what people do a lot of times, you know what I'm saying? We we, we go talk as as if we live in 2021. Right. You know, a lot of people like to hop in their cars and test them out. You know, so that's what we've been taught all our lives by the, uh, <laughs> people that have not really had great relationships on their books. You know what yeah. I'm saying? That's like people have come from single um, parent households and they teach you the ways in which they think it's the way, which is the mm-hmm. wrong way 90% mm-hmm. of the time. You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> yeah. Uh, like I tell people, I grew up in a single mother household, so I always looked around and just said, ah, this don't uh. work. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I was like, I ain't gonna have that kind of life. I ain't gonna be out here spreading all these seeds around the world like mayonnaise on bread. So, you know what I'm saying? I'm gonna try to find a better way. But unfortunately, you know what I'm saying? What? Your analogies, man. I know. <laughs> but um, unfortunately, you know what I'm saying, these are the things that, you know, we had to deal with because it's like, I feel like in that proposal right there, I saw a couple things. Yes. I was just like, this is Me true. Too. You have now accepted another son. You know what I'm saying? Not only the child you have in your belly, mm-hmm. you have now another mm-hmm. grown man child. You know Woo-hoo. what I'm saying? Because, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, he didn't make the decision now you have become both a uh, spouse and parent to that young man. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Jesus. And <laughs> now Yikes. he has, and now on the back part, if things start going bad, he can blame her. And he will feel like he right in that decision. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Because like, I didn't want this. You made this happen to me. I've been put on the spot and I can't say no to a pregnant lady. So I said yes and I proceeded <laughs> on with this. Uh, that's carrying my child. Well, that's carrying my child. You know what I'm saying? I can't say and no to that. The whole world exactly. sees it now. Exactly. And who took the, the picture? picture? So now that's he got to say thing. yes. And I'm, I guarantee we covered his mouth in shock. He's like, man, like, what am I going to do? <laughs> <laughs> I can't say no. Here. Oh, I'm going to look like a sucker. Uh, yes. You know what I'm saying? Oh, and that's what's happening. And another thing, you know what I'm saying? Just like I see, too, I was just like, yo, man, you have released, like, you basically put that lady in the place to make the decisions for you. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like, mm-hmm. because of the thing that it is, you didn't come to that. That man didn't come to that conclusion on his own because just like Chris said, like man has a process. I have went through that process. You know what I'm saying? Uh, my heart and my mind are aligned on this decision. Therefore, I'm on my knee asking this woman to marry me. You know what I'm saying? I have weighed the pros and cons. I have weighed the weight of the responsibility. As we say in our in our uh, discipleship, that counted the cost. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And now I'm on this decision to be able to take this woman and really 
do as we supposed to is taking them from mother and father and bringing them to the house and taking care of her, making sure the things that a man's supposed to do in, in a relationship. Yeah. But that right there, I don't see that in that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I just see a man with his hand over his face and a, a, a pregnant lady on the ground. It looked like she just, just like on her last leg. She was happy about it. She seemed to be smiling. You know what I'm saying? But uh, it's not her last that, that, Look, that Somebody man, had to help her off her knee too. That's what I'm saying. There's no way she did that without help. And leave her there to get off her knee by herself. In the sand. In the sand. In the sand. <laughs> and he don't want because he he's probably a young man and he don't want that abbreviation chiss up on his check. Cause I'm telling you, they don't play. <laughs> They get theirs off top. All right. I have so I have okay. Um because when I saw the photo and saw that there was no story or context, mm-hmm. I was just like, but man, this is a powerful topic for a lot of reasons. And the reason was because what I saw in the photo is that and it was uh mentioned in the comments too. She is carrying his child, making this decision, getting on one knee, proposing. So she's making, she's carrying everything yeah. in this relationship. Of- she's carrying the entire weight of the relationship. That's deep. You know yeah. what I mean? So, and it says it all in that photo without words or anything yeah. like that. And the expression on his face, like Darius said, that isn't one of, oh my gosh, I've been oh waiting God. for her to do this. Yeah. It was just like, Dang, game over. <laughs> it's like that meme. You know that, that meme of like the oh, you should like have. the wagon who's like Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, like that. Exactly. And like Mello was saying too. It's like, no, baby, get up. Get up. Come on. Like baby, what is you doing? What, what is you know, baby? What is you doing? Like, you come doing? on. Like that get up on out of here. That's what I got from yeah. that. Yo, that's um, powerful. That what you just said. It, it, exactly. It's like you're carrying the whole thing. And 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 I like what Krista said too because I feel like when those things line up for a guy, um, th- like when I proposed to my wife, I was so sure. I've never uh, to this day, I've not been more sure of anything in my life. Mm. Once I decided mm-hmm. that was going to happen, you know. I didn't even have a ring picked out because it was sooner <laughs> than my timetable. It, it just hit me one day that I was aligned on both those things, and now I can marry her. Yeah, you know, Steve, situation like, man, I know. Right, listen, <laughs> that man <laughs> without a ring. Oh, because I was like, I can't wait. I cannot I wait. Knew you had the one day <laughs> get this ring when I know now. And this I want to it. ask her now. So, of course, that's knowing the situation, of course. And, you know, when I proposed, she was excited. Once I got on one knee, she was just like, you know, she was just caught up with I was proposing. So, Amen. you know what I mean? So it was a great decision Yeah. Um, that w- looking back at it. So, yeah, those things have to align. Now, does it take five to ten years I Amen. would say, I don't know, just from my perspective, because I did it when I was in, I did it when I was like uh, 29. Okay. So I was kind of in a certain place in life and just, just my personal experiences. Now, if you're like young kids in love, 
Maybe you do wait. Maybe you don't. Maybe you get married and then you learn along. You learn each other along the way. That's fine. You know, as long as you are in that commitment together, like, okay, we're going to grow together because we're 18, 19 years old, getting married, yeah. you know, or we're 20, 21 years old, getting married. So we're going to put in the work to grow together. Or if you're 40 and you make yeah. this decision and you've been dating a couple of years, then okay, we have done a lot of growing apart. Now we're coming together. So now we're going to put in the work to come together mm-hmm. and have this life together. So, mm-hmm. you know, but to me, just from my personal experience, I don't think once that clicks for a guy, I don't think it takes a long time. Yeah. You know what I mean? So if it's been that long time, that means either it has not clicked for that guy and it probably won't after about mm. 10 years or so. I, I'm not saying I've seen I've seen some people get married after 10 years and it was the move, but hey man. Mm, that's hard for it, me. It's young, like, this young generation, yeah. I don't see it, man. That's that's hard for me that to boy might come up on that definition that old people say, wake up dead. You know what mm. I'm saying? He may wake up in the situation and feel like he had got dropped off in the matrix and he was like, Where am I? Who is this? <laughs> You know what I'm saying? And that can happen. You know what I'm saying? Especially when she don't took the full reins of what the relationship is. Yep. Because just like the relationship is going to be guided through the man. You know what I'm saying? And if you making all the decisions, you eventually going to strip his manhood away. We're not even really thinking about it. Because mm-hmm. if everything you say goes and stuff like that, once he start coming into himself and realize that he a man, that relationship going to go south. You know what I'm saying? Just for the simple fact that the dynamic would change. Yeah. From, okay, you know, she's so sure about everything, and he's just kind of sitting back and laying back for just, you know, just to keep the peace or whatever. If he all of a sudden, as they grow together to start um becoming more assertive, then that is a shift that has to be negotiated. And if she's not used to negotiating, right. it could exactly. be a problem. Mm-hmm. Cause you yeah. don't even know what compromise is when you're doing stuff like that. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? I I pray for you, uh, sister. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? I pray that baby come up in, in, a, in a wonderful household. Mm-hmm. I pray that you are just not a baby mama pendant. Mm-hmm. Right. I pray that they get premarital counseling too. Pre- I, yes. I, I, do at least 20 <laughs> weeks. Not yeah. 10 weeks like I did. Do 20. Because y'all need maybe 30. Do a year. Do a solid 52 weeks. You know what I'm saying? Y'all got some rearranging to do. Y'all had this. Y'all need to figure out your roles in life. Yeah. Okay. Right yeah. 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 So even if there's a mutuality there. Yeah. But like what you got, what um Stevie and Darius were saying, like, you know, if the woman's making all the decisions, I'm just like um Mella. I'm a very headstrong woman. I'm a very assertive woman. Um, I handle the bills and the finances in my home. You know, I make a lot of decisions, Mm -hmm. but I realize that if I don't encourage or allow my husband to make those decisions, for one, he's not going to make them. Mm -hmm. And then number two, it does strip away his manhood and it strips away that need that men have for the woman to trust that he can make a good decision. To trust yep. him. That's and right. then yep. it becomes a burden on me because I'm the mama, I'm the wife, I'm the this, I'm the that, I'm the financial oh, advisor, I'm all of this. And I feel like I'm carrying all the weight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I need That's my good. husband to lead. It's mm-hmm. like, and it's not a sexist thing. It's like, I need my husband to help me make 
decisions and yeah. I need him to lead because that frees me up to be able to do what I need to do. Come it's on, like a freedom sister. and a liberation that comes from him being able to make good decisions and lead mm. our family in a good direction and not taking over. Like he consults with me before he makes a decision, but him being able to be assertive and him being able to initiate decisions. Yep. That's a need that we women have, even if we try to, I mean, I'm, I'm super, like I said, open-minded, especially with gender roles, but that's an innate need that men have and women have. And, and I've, yeah. I read um, some articles where, People in non-traditional relationships where the man is doing the things that were traditionally female, like, you know, just caring for the kids, taking care of the home and all of that, even though it might work for that family, the marital success is actually a smaller percentage than the man taking care of the like taking care of the um, like protect and provide. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so even though it might work, like you can balance that out and make it work, marital mm -hmm. satisfaction there was a um, negative correlation with marital satis satisfaction mm. and mismatch roles. Yes. 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 So I was like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> you know, wait, 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 but that's, that's yeah. the thing. The reason why, you know, we have these conversations because of the information you provide the information that we digging in and stuff. I, I pray that people that's listening, especially our single folks, um, tap into this information, man, learn. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Learn yourself first. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And know where you are, know where you stand. Because if you don't know what you actually will be applying to a relationship, you won't come in with anything of, of use because you have to know where you are. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And just really, really learn some lessons from all yes. the people that is married on here. You know what I'm saying? Don't listen to Melissa, but she ain't never crossed that line. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Hopefully she'll cross the line, but you know, okay. we pray. Look at Mello's face. <laughs> She's like, oh my God. Yeah, and Maybe. that's not to, <laughs> grow, not to jump in again, but, but that's not to say that sometimes those roles will be reversed yeah. because they have to be. Let's mm. say the husband loses his job yeah. and the wife is working. So the wife has to be the one to bring home the bacon and the husband's the one staying home with the kids. Right. You know, that's there's nothing wrong with that. Ain't nothing but wrong. if that continues throughout the entire relationship, the woman's going to feel some type of way and the man's going to feel some type of way, even if it's subconscious and subtle. Yeah. And there's like I said earlier, there's something about a husband being a protector and a provider that for one turns women on. <laughs> and number two, it leads to their their manhood being affirmed, you know? So, mm -hmm. and then our freedom to be able to function in the way that we, I mean, it even allows, for me personally, it allows me to be more creative and actually more productive mm -hmm. with him leading in those areas spiritually and, um, you know, executing things. You know, it mm -hmm. helps me to be able to be more of a productive businesswoman when mm -hmm. he's leading. Gotcha. See that? Yeah. Good tips. Yeah. Yeah. And just to kind of close things off, it's just like, you know, just from that photo. And another thing that just came from that photo is just like, um, you know, he's just in a position where she's carrying the whole relationship. Mm -hmm. So then it's like, so when does when does that activate for him yeah. that, you know, to take charge? You know what I mean? Like, when does that, I mean, I'm sure there's areas where he's more assertive in and everything, but, 
but man, these are big things. You know what I mean? So again, it, it's going to take some navigating, you know, hopefully like Darius said, they get, they get some counseling so that they know their dynamic fully mm -hmm. and, and know a way forward together. Cause I think the tendency is, is like with you come into counseling thinking someone's going to validate either my way or her way. Mm. Someone's going to validate one or the other as the right course of action. But what it's really designed to do is, okay, let's build a new plan going forward. It's more so building a new plan. Now, there's certain things she's good at that we're going to keep. There's certain things he's good at that we're going to keep. But a new plan going forward. So hopefully that happens you know, despite yeah. the unconventional way that it comes together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So absolutely. That's right. So yeah, so we have Krista Dowu here in virtual studio. studio. So <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna talk to her about a few things. But before mm -hmm. we do that, before we do that, uh just if you're listening to us here on podcast, then you know, share. We everywhere. We're everywhere. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. And uh, we're on like 10 different platforms overall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stitcher, you know, Podbean. Google all those Podcasts guys. and all that stuff like that. Yeah, so Google Podcasts too. You can rewatch us if you want to you know, see a video, visual representation of what our faces and what it sounds like and what our face makes with the sound exactly <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly and um if you want to do that just check us out on facebook and youtube you know what I'm saying conversate it will pop up soon as you type in c-o-n-v-r-s-a i promise you it'll pop right up mm -hmm. and you can find us there check us out share us around you know what i'm saying we would love the support we're trying to grow this thing naturally we don't want to be using all those robots you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> to, uh, get us uh, spread it out there. You know what I'm saying? So if we brought some kind of fun, feeling, good feeling, a laugh to your heart, anything, share it, man, with somebody else, man, and spread the love. That's right. That's right. So now we're going to get into our interview with Krista Idowu. So we're going to start in the beginning here. So, uh, you have a deep background, you know, growing up with the church. Um, but I think your shift happened as more like as an adult, like actually becoming an adult, you know, being more so your beginning with your current track spiritually. So do you want to get into that? Like, you know, what exactly that means? Yeah, um, it's it's an emotional topic. Um, I think, well, I had two conversion experiences. Um, mm. The first conversion experience is from being a sinner pretty much with no conviction. So just to rewind a little bit further back, um, I was raised in the church. My dad's a pastor. I responded to every altar call. I went to youth, um, youth conferences and all of that. And when I went to college, I had the slingshot effect, which is, you know, you feel like you've been held back for so long and sheltered for so long that when you go to college, you just whoosh, like you do the yeah. most. And I did that. Um, but I would still come back to church on Sundays. So I would go party on Saturdays, come back to church with black and mild smell in my hair. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> you know. Um, then in 2007, I um, I became a recording artist. Um, I was a electro punk recording artist called Sophie mm -hmm. Nix, and during that time. It was it was a fun, wild time. It, it was a continuation of the wildness from college. Um, but I still had that semi conviction that even though I had a show Saturday night, I would come back to church Sunday, even if I was I remember I would drive and I would try to make sure my dad couldn't see my car pulling through the parking lot because it would be right at the altar call when I would show up. Mm. And so and I would go to the balcony so I can like act like I've been there the whole time. I might like pick up on some some phrase he said and I would try to repeat it to make it seem like I've been there the whole time. Mm. <laughs> you know, but mm. I still had that. I guess that's the amount of conviction I had where um, I had to check that off the list. I had to be on the roll call and I would respond to altar calls. But I was I mean, I didn't have much conviction on mm. Monday through Saturday. I was doing whatever I wanted to do. Like I was like. I don't even want to go into all the details, but I was doing everything. Yeah. Um, typical Southern. Just typical, that, you know. Yeah, that's, that's how all the Southerners has. Uh, I'm, same story. You yes. Know you know, go to church on Sunday, well, sing the yeah. song loud, but yeah. you know, party throughout the week, mm -hmm. you know. And so um, in 2009, I was an electro punk artist. My brother was in a metal band. And... Yeah, he was like metal, metal, metal. Like, <laughs> wow. Like, and around that time, he went through a very dark spiritual period where mm. um, it became so frightening to him that he went to my parents' room in the middle of the night, I think like 5 a.m. one night, and asked for them to pray for him. Like, and to, like, if it was a demonic situation. So they, he asked for them to pray for him. And I think that same moment, if I'm remembering the story right, he got filled with the Holy Spirit. So he got delivered and then filled with the Holy Spirit. Wow. And so um, I was living in Buckhead doing my thing. He called me and told me about what happened. And I listened because I know that he wasn't faking. And I knew he wasn't just trying to be like a religious Christian. I knew that he was like pretty much almost Satanist. And for him to talk about like the reality of the Holy Spirit, he really meant it. Yeah. And so we were on the phone for like two hours. And um, at that time, I was sort of like at the height of my career, but I was depressed and mm. I was considering ending my own life because it felt fake. It was like everything that mm. I was doing and everything that the joy that I felt was fake. My friends were fake. My success was fake. And um, he called me. The, well, my parents called me the next day and said, you need to come to the house. Your brother is filled with Holy Spirit. And I've, we've never seen him like this. So I rushed to my parents house. As soon as I walked it, this was almost like a blink of an eye type situation. I walked through the door and I just remember him just being filled with so much light. Mm. And at that time, he had everything pierced. He had this pierced. He had his cheeks pierced. He had a little ring around his nose, like the little um, bull yeah. thing. And he had his eyebrows shaved. He, he was bald headed. Like he was like, like this. Yeah, I'm about to say he was totally <laughs> yeah. deaf metal. He yeah. was all the way metal. Yeah. Oh, you know, all of that. But when I walked through the door and I looked at his eyes, it was like the light of Christ just pierced me. Mm. Even though he still had all this metal stuff going on, yeah. the light of Christ was so bright that I couldn't even see that. Mm. And he was just like, it's just so real. I feel electricity in my hands. Like this is so real. And, um, 
I remember going to the family room and he was like, do you want this? And my first thought was no, because I'd already built the life that I thought I wanted to live. Right. Then I was like, yes, because the life that I thought I wanted to live was fake. Mm. I, just to rewind a little bit, I went to Coachella, I think that same year or the year before, and I was like in the artist room. I had the artist badge and everything. And so I had everything I wanted. I went to the VIP of VIPs of VIPs. And I remember being there, being at the top of my game and looking around. And it was a whole bunch of drunken high people and designers drugs laid out on the table. And I'm like, this is it. This is what the top looks like. Wow. I was like, this is what I'm working hard for to be able to have to be around people who don't like me and have designer drugs. Mm. <laughs> you know, so at that moment when my brother was like, do you want this, the Holy Spirit? And I thought about the life I created. I was like, I finally say yes. And he said, let go of everything. And so when he said that, I thought, OK, my dreams, my desires, my fears, my persona, like I'm gonna let go of everything. He touched my head. I passed out for 30 minutes when I came to, and this is all in my fa- my parents' family room. Yeah. When I came to and I opened my eyes, it was like hot tears came down my face, but I was happy. And it felt like I've heard some of the um, revivalists say like liquid love pouring mm. on top of you. Mm. And it was at that moment, it was a high that I experienced that I've never experienced out of all the drugs I've done in my life. It was so, it was like, everything was vivid. The colors were vivid. Like when I looked around, I was like, oh my, it's like literally like scales fell from my eye. Like my my actual physical vision became brighter and more vivid. Mm. And I was so filled with so much love that I wanted everybody to experience it. So that fake conviction that I had before, it's like now I'm like, first of all, there ain't no reason to do, to sin anymore. Right. To, to, not a knowledgeably sin anymore because I just experienced the best feeling that you could ever experience being mm. in the presence of God. Yeah. So there's no high like the most high. That was my quote. Like there's no high yeah. like the most high. You know, I didn't want to, and I didn't want to jeopardize that new relationship I had with God. Yeah. So mm. that's when my conviction came. But remember I said I had two conversions. Mm-hmm. <sighs> the second conversion is more painful and it's not as pretty as this one. So, (laughs) oh yeah, this one, this one happened recently, like 2017. Um, so after this first conversion, I started a ministry called Naked Eyes and I met with other offbeat, um, eccentric people in the park. And it was sort of like a halfway house to church because I didn't really fit within church culture, Mm -hmm. which I still really don't fit within church culture. So it's sort of like a place for people who don't fit within church culture to grow together. Um, but I held on to new age beliefs and I thought that it was okay for me to mix Christianity with new age beliefs. Um, I remember one time I was writing in my journal and I was like, um, you know, Jesus can speak through tarot cards. And like, I mean, I was like, I didn't have theology. It was like, I didn't have a sound grounded theology. I was just zealous. I was mm. very zealous. I even ministered at my dad's church, I sp- but I had, I wasn't grounded mm. in the word of God. Yeah. And even when I met my husband, I thought he wasn't spiritual because he cared more. To me, it felt like he cared more about the word of God, the Bible more so than spiritual experiences. To me, it was like spiritual experiences is why I am where I am today. Mm. But he was like, the Bible 
transcends your, the Bible supersedes your experience. Mm. And I thought he wasn't spiritual because he said that kind of stuff. Mm. Until I had a crisis of faith in 2017. Mm. It started in 2011 where, you know, when I started reading the Bible, I started having questions and concerns. And um, as I started to, like there are things that were problematic in the Bible for me. Right. And topical teachings and topical understandings of the Bible didn't deal with the textual, the textual questions that I had. Mm. And so I started questioning the way we do church. I started questioning the way we understand scripture. I started questioning, like, if a minister said something that I, and then I read the Bible and it seemed like it was saying something different. And then I just started questioning everything. I was like, I feel like my life is a lie. I feel like my faith is a lie. Mm. And um, I brought it up to my dad. Um, let me see. It sounds like someone's over here. <laughs> but um, I brought, he's here. <laughs> but I brought it up to my dad and it, it didn't go what, like, you know, if you usually bring, if you bring up these kind of issues to Christian, especially Christian leaders, especially in the older generation, yes. it doesn't go well. Yeah, it doesn't, right, it doesn't right. go well. And, you know, especially if you're questioning um, the way you do church. It's almost like, okay, theological questions are fine, but when you question the way you do church and recently, mm. you know, if you question the church fathers, my husband and I were talking about that last night. If you question the the um, what are they called? The the patristic, the patristics. If you question those kind of things that seem to be the core of the faith, then it's like you're deceived by the enemy. Mm. So at that point, I felt like I was deceived, but then I had this cognitive dissonance because I'm like, what I'm reading aligns with what I'm thinking, mm -hmm. but what I'm hearing isn't aligning with that. So I had this cognitive dissonance. So church became draining to me. Mm. to the point where, I mean, I became physically sick. Mm. And so I had to pull away from church for a little while, five months to be exact, which was the longest I've ever been away from church. Because remember when I was in the world, I was still in the church. Yeah. Right. Even if I showed up late. So I pulled away from church altogether for five months and I was afraid to go to any other church because I felt like it would destroy my faith going to any mm. church. Mm. Wow. And so I started studying the Bible deeper than I've ever studied it before because I was desperate to find out the truth. I was like, I want to know the character and I want to know the nature of God. And I, I want to know the truth about the word of God. And I'm confused right now. So I need to study. So I started studying. I was like, I feel like I'm not operating in the love of God. So I started studying every I literally went to the concordance and studied every single scripture that has to do with love. And when I say scripture, I didn't do verses. I did the whole chapter. Of mm. every <laughs> everything that had to do with love. And then I started, the more I started reading, I was like, I'm not off. And then I started listening to um, I listened to um what's his name? Um Francis Chan. Yeah, some of the stuff he was That's saying what... was exactly how I was feeling. Like yeah. even the way we did church and all that. I was like, wow, there's actually another minister who mm. was saying the same thing that 
I'm thinking. So I'm yeah. not deceived and I'm not a Jezebel spirit and I'm not, you know, yeah. you know, spirit of this age and all of that. I'm like, yeah. there's other Christian ministers who are legit, you know, who aren't heretics that sort of see what I'm seeing. Mm. And um, around that same time, a few months, well, after the five months, um, one of my girlfriends introduced me to Pastor Daryl Ford and she started going to his church icon and I was like, what do you like about the church? Because I was afraid to go to church. And I was like, what do you like about the church? She said, this, this, the pastor is a student. And she didn't mean literally. She meant he is a student of the word and he's open to discussions and working through theological things. Yeah. So my husband and I visited because we both were sort of going through the same thing at the same time. His wasn't as deep as mine. He was he's more casual than me. But yeah. um. We, st we went, we visited one day and that particular message addressed probably five of the things I had been questioning. Mm. Mm. That's dope. Yeah. It, and um, they take a very expository teaching style. So the way we go through, like we go from chapter to chapter. So this Sunday we might do Romans chapter one, next Sunday we're doing Romans chapter two. So it was exactly what I needed at the time to really walk through the, the scriptures yeah. and, and gain a deeper rooted understanding so that I don't get swayed by every wind of doctrine. Yeah. And that's something like I, I feel like is necessary in, you know what I'm saying? Because that's something that I had to go through as well. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, your stories just sound just like everything I've done, you know what I'm saying? The steps that I got to be at this point that where I'm yeah. assured about God and the scriptures and stuff like that. Because just like I tell people back in the day, I remember around about 2005, one of my homeboys gave me the book by Francis Chan, Crazy Love. Mm -hmm. I was probably like, that book changed my life. It changed my perspective on God. It changed my perspective on everything. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And it gave me a, a true perspective of like how God been guiding me, you know what I'm saying, throughout my life. You know what I'm saying? Just even though all that, all the things that I'd done that were not pleasing to God still led to me coming to God. Because yeah. some of the pains that I had experienced and some of the sins that I had, you know, done taught me very valuable lessons. And that's why I always say lessons are blessings. Mm -hmm. It's just choose, it's up to how you digest it. Now, you, if you're going to digest it and go heaven with, with it, you will learn what you need to do and you won't do, you know what I'm saying, you won't have to circle the same mountain over and over again. Mm -hmm. But if you look at it like, woe is me, you turn yourself into a victim. Now you're mm -hmm. at the whims of Satan. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And so you have to come out of that, man. And that's why I tell people, man, you got to, you got to read your word. If you don't, it's really easy to get lost out here because you're really traveling without a map. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's good. It's good. I think, um, wow, I'm just, I'm just so like amazed by your story and what you uh, shared. Um, I know that Steve kind of shared a link with us that you, of a YouTube video that you made. Um, and I think there was parts in that video as well that I was able to uh, relate to as well. And when it comes to my own story, um, but the thing that I wanted to kind of emphasize just within this moment is just the authenticity uh, mm -hmm. within your, your journey. 
Because I think a lot mm-hmm. of I think that lacks a lot just in the mainstream Christian community. <laughs> um, not not everybody really talks about like the journey there. You yeah. Know? Um, they're very vocal about okay, what you need to do and what the Bible says and all these different things. But you very rarely I'm not saying that it doesn't happen at all, but you very rarely are able to have that those moments of authenticity where somebody is like, man, I wasn't always like this. And, and when you said, like, when you're kind of bringing up different things, that, especially things that you're questioning mm-hmm. um, to leaders who have been content and complacent in the way that they teach or the way that they learn, it's hard to really kind of have a breakthrough conversation yeah. um, to where you're trying to help them understand where you are currently and where you're trying to go. Um, and I think I've had that experience too. Like, I think, you know, when I was a teenager, like probably like 17, 18 years old, I, I was playing the piano for church. I grew up in a Pentecostal atmosphere. So I played the piano since I was 12. Like I've been playing the piano since I was seven, but I was playing for the church since I was 12. And it was crazy how it happened because the minister of music at that time just up and left the church. Like he was just like, oh, wow. I'm leaving. Like, you know, no warning, just kind of left. And I was the only person in the church at 12 that knew how to play the piano. So wow. the the good thing is he, te- he taught me a little bit of the songs, you know, mm-hmm. before he left, but then everything else I had to learn on my own. So that's where I, like, I knew how to read music, but when it came to playing for church, most of the music that I played was by ear or by like using the same chords, different arrangements. <laughs> Cause that's literally what worship music is anyways. Pretty it's much. Chords, the different <laughs> arrangements. Um, but I think the biggest thing that uh, I appreciate about your story and that you shared is um, the part where um, you were kind of uncertain about the choice that you knew you needed to make. So like you knew that you've reached this point in your life where it's like, I know I'm not where I wanna be, but I know that I I can experience something better. Mm, yep. And I think that's um I think that's I know that's something that I went through just this past year. Like wow. in regards to like the pandemic, I like I just transitioned and moved not to a new city per se because I've lived here before, but it was a new opportunity, a new season, new expectations, and then COVID happens. I'm not really connected with people here, you know, spiritually. Like I don't have yeah. a church, local church. Most of my friends are back in Atlanta. So really just trying to figure all that out and then understanding and realizing like, man, I really feel like I had a very codependent relationship with a lot of my brothers and sisters in Christ. Mm-hmm. And it really kind of helped me to like see like, okay, my lack of dependency on God. Um, so yeah, I, I, I do appreciate, you know, the things that you, you shared because I think like Darius said, it's so relatable. You know, I think we yeah. kind of all went through that in our own different experience to kind of get to where we are. Um, but I think my question after sharing that is um, kind of when you were at that point where, so like right after you kind of had that spiritual moment with your brother, um, I know you were kind of talking about like having spiritual experiences, Mm -hmm. but like what was kind of like that, um, that thing that was urging you, that did you ever, did you ever feel like you were missing anything when you were having those spiritual experiences outside of kind of, you know, meeting your now husband, you know, who kind of challenged that Mm -hmm. with the word? Yes, 
Um, I read some of my journal. I didn't realize it until I went back and looked at some of my journal entries. In 2011 mm. is when I started having theological questions. Mm. I met mm. my husband in 2012. Okay. Mm. But I was comfortable and complacent because of the experiences. Mm. The experiences were so passionate and full of zeal that it's easy to get caught up in that. Mm. And mm. I sort of miss it now because there was something, there was some good that came from those experiences. I think there's a need for spirit and truth. I think right. I had spirit, but I didn't have truth. And mm -hmm. I don't say I won't. I'm not saying that my dad wasn't preaching the truth at all. Oh, yeah. right, or right, the right, other right. ministers weren't preaching the truth. Right. I just didn't have an understanding and a grounded mm -hmm. knowledge yep. of the mm -hmm. truth because of my particular learning style. Mm -hmm. I have I learned better with methodological types of learning versus, mm -hmm. you know, more topical. It mm -hmm. works for some people, but it's just for me. Yeah, and so yeah. I had spirit, but I didn't have a it was like the seed planted on the and fertile soil. Mm -hmm. It doesn't say anything about my character. It was mm -hmm. my learning style. Yeah. And so I was complacent and I was happy then. But then when I met my husband and we started having conversations and he started to challenge my theology. And um, I remember um, I was at an ant campaign meeting and mm -hmm. um, we were drafting something and I added scriptures to go with everything we we're drafting. And one of the other one of the um, men that are part of it, Russell Berry, called out. He was like, who added these scriptures? And I was like, he was like, they were reaching. And I was like, it was me. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, and it made me think like I've been applying scriptures that don't have anything in context mm. to do with the actual thing that we're talking about. Mm. Because I'm used to I'm used to like a reverse yeah. scriptural process. I'm used to having my topic that I want to talk about and using scripture as reference to back up my topic. Mm. Like to to, yes. to sort of um yeah. I forgot the word for it, but it's like to um, proof text what it is yeah. I want to say. Yeah, yeah. scripture whipping is what I say. Yeah, scripture whip, whip out the scripture to prove what you yeah. want to say. And right. I was so used to that, and that's what I did with the end campaign, and they called me out on it. Mm. And now I know, like, no, scripture comes first, yeah. and then you find this what God is saying through the mm. scripture, through the story, through the whole context. Right. But I was yeah. scripture with it. Mm, and that's yeah. what, especially in the black church, is so common. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, that's what I say all the time. That's that oh, you, you yes. learn that in the black church in the south because guess what? Yeah. My grandma would use two <laughs> scriptures to pull out of context. I just be like, oh, out of context. <laughs> I could never follow along. Now that when you grow up and you start reading the Bible for yourself, you like, man, she was tearing that one up. Yes. I hope she. I hope she knows. She probably don't think she's wrong, but I'm gonna introduce her to her another way. You know what I'm saying? Because and even like what you just said with that, you know what I'm saying? Like, <clears throat> yo, through your growth and stuff like that, like, what is something you would give somebody that is thinking about? You know what I'm saying? Just say somebody that was in your situation that you was in, uh, first conversion wise. What is an advice that you would give said person? on the steps to making Jesus Lord, you know what I'm so saying? So first conversion. Yeah. So so say if somebody mm -hmm. was in the position you was in in your first first conversion, you know what I'm saying, that you at a point and, you know, you don't have this experience that's super great. Mm -hmm. What was what would be the next step? What would be some advice you would give for the next step? Because so someone that has had a conversion experience, like a supernatural yeah. encounter with God, but in order to grow in discipleship, right. like how to move to the next level. 
Yeah. Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> um, I would say discipleship, really. And what I mean yeah. by that is finding people, particularly a community mm-hmm. of people that you can walk with, sort of like what you guys are doing with your small group. Mm. Find a community of people that you can grow, learn, and walk with because this is not meant to be a solo adventure. You know, it's meant to be a team adventure. Mm -hmm. And also, and this is, I guess, one of the problems I have with church in general, um, the way we do church doesn't set up people to actually learn the Bible. It's like you have to go to seminary to do that. You know, mm. it's not set up like, I mean, when you go to school, you have elementary school, middle school, high school, college. In church, everybody's in the same room. Mm. The elementary school kids, the college kids, like, you know, the, the basic Christians, the new Christians, and the ones, the seasoned saints. We all in the same room learning the same material. So there's mm. no there's no introduction and progression. And some churches have like classes that teach you things like that, but it should be an ongoing, progressive, for me, that's that's one of my things is mm-hmm. I think that there should be a progressive form of learning so that when someone becomes a new convert, we funnel them into learn. Cults do it real well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, true. Well. yeah, that's true. They, they do, do it right. real well. They, they know how to in- indoctrinate. They know people, how to indoctrinate. You know yes. Because they start like, hey, you're going to start here. You're going to sit here and you're gonna- the grand pool. We're gonna teach you about the lessons in which you're gonna walk with the chicken foot uh walkers of whatever they are. And but it's steps, you know, <laughs> just like I tell people, everything takes steps, and a lot of yes. people just you know what I'm saying, we come into discipleship and just like and I understand that they're just like, yo, God can take the least of people, you know what I'm saying, and use them. But at the same time, sometimes the least of people ain't that equipped. Because I've seen people being used, they were not equipped to take off yes. the tasks which they were getting. Wayside, because the thing that is, they were never really rooted. They was mm-hmm. just like they were planted in the sand. You know what I'm saying? And we all know sand shifts. You know what that I'm saying? Part. And when sand shifts, your foundation is gone. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So you, we have. You, you, it, I definitely wholeheartedly believe in the steps. You know what I'm saying? Like, yo, teach this, yeah, people, man. You know what I'm saying teach them and I feel like you know what I'm saying that's something that I had been in- introduced to you know what I'm saying when I got even even when I was studying the Bible you know what I'm saying with you know the group of guys that studied the Bible with me Brian Sharon Taraji Misty you know what I'm saying a lot of guys you know what I'm saying they broke it down to you and they really laid into the count the cost thing because they're like this is your decision you know what I'm saying? Like, this is your decision. You have to count the cost and really say that, hey, when you say Jesus is Lord, you have taken on that cross, that old rugged cross, you have <laughs> taken it on. You know what I'm saying? Right. And I feel like that's something necessary. You know what I'm saying? I feel like a lot of people don't come out of the waters or they'll come out of their confessions. They don't understand what it truly is to really tap in because yeah. it's a spiritual yeah. The side. We got the Holy Spirit and stuff like that, but the Holy Spirit need to be nourished. And the only way mm-hmm. that the Holy Spirit gonna be nourished is through the Word. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, you got to supply it with His uh, sustenance. Mm-hmm. Right. I want to piggyback on count the cost. I think lots of people go in Christianity thinking that when you become saved, your life just gets better, and then yeah. you know right. when when it doesn't, then you think God has failed you. But mm-hmm. there's a cost. 
Um, Jackie Hill Perry talks about that. Oh, yes. Um, there's a cost and it's a death to yourself and a death to something that you hold dear. To her, it was her sexual identity. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, in the in normal society, you don't want to give up that part of you. You don't want right. to give up something to you that you feel as a part of your identity, a part, something that matters to you. But in the yep. Christian walk, there is going to be a cost and there is going to be a surrender of something that you hold dear to yourself. And I think that's what a lot of Christians don't understand because they think it's all blessing and benefit. But right. there's something there's a sacrifice and a surrender. And that's that's the hard part of it. And that's the cost of walking this thing out. When you think yeah. about the disciples, when you think about even like Luke was a doctor. I mean, he wasn't one of the disciples, but he was a doctor. And he, I'm certain he was affluent to be a doctor. Mm. And he gave that up to become a disciple of Christ. Mm. You know, lots of people in the Bible, lots of the disciples gave up their comfortable lives to follow Christ. Right. And that's why, you know, even Jesus said, you know, if you don't, we translate the word into hate, it probably meant something different. But if you don't pretty much put me before your mother, father, sister, brother, you know, then you have no part in this. You know, yeah. if you don't take up your cross and follow me and the cross means that part that's that's you have to surrender yourself and put yourself at the like surrender yourself. <laughs> I don't know how to even say that better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then you don't have you don't have a part in this because this is this is a costly walk because you're swimming upstream and you're yeah. living counterculturally and you're living in a spiritual kingdom realm while you're still existing in this physical realm. Mm. So that's where the cost comes in. And mm-hmm. um well now I'm gonna let y'all go because I got I'm a I have something else that is gonna yeah. probably be more relevant to something later. Okay, okay. Um cool, cool. Um so with all this, you know, versus, you know, what the Bible says versus traditions versus, you know, seeking that context that you found, um, you have uh, come upon the and campaign. You mentioned that earlier. Uh, yeah. Can you tell us, like, how you came to the and campaign and uh, just what your role is in that? Yeah, so... Um... I was working for my dad back in, I think it was 2000, it was either 2016 or 17. Um, and um, he was a part of an organization, like a community development organization in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And Justin Gibney was part of it. Mm-hmm. And at Cross Culture, we decided to have, um, I think it was when we had the intergenerational, oh, hold on one second, I see someone coming in. I'm sorry, I'm in a, a busy area. But we had an intergenerational converse, like a um, panel discussion. And I'm trying to remember, I think I invited Justin to be a part of that. And then he invited me to be a part of a conversation, a panel discussion they had about uh, race and immigration. And I did a um, speech on immigration. Okay. And then from there, he invited me to be a part of the leadership council with the Ann campaign and our relationship just grew. And what really attracted me to the Ann campaign is their balance between compassion and conviction. Mm. You know, especially in these very dichotomous yeah. times where everything is polarized, everything is black, everything is white, you know, everything is liberal, everything's conservative. There's no middle ground. It's like, you know, if you're Christian, 
and you believe in the compassion of Christ, you have to accept everything, even stuff that doesn't go along with the Bible. Or yeah. if you believe in like biblical values and conviction of Christ, then you also accept the whole conservative the the whole conservative um, ideology, which which lends itself towards um, the oppression and and lack of compassion for other yeah, people. That, yeah, they, they, the conservative side is a very manifest destiny type thing. Very manifest destiny, you know. So it's like, but we need the we need the good of both. We need yep. that biblical principle value. We need that. If you're going to be a Christian, then we have to believe that scripture is authority mm -hmm. and not try to twist it to fit our own agenda. Yeah. But yeah. also we have to actually read the Bible and see how God actually stood for the oppressed and vindicated the oppressed, mm. the women, the immigrants, you know, the um, um, poor, you know, yeah. that's, God talked about that throughout. I mean, it was throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. Yeah. And so the and campaign brings both of those things together. And so they speak my language. And mm. yeah, all right. You was, <laughs> was able to tap in on the on the good foot. You was just like, y'all yeah. talking my talk. Let's exactly. <laughs> and um also your your husband is involved with a, an organization called Decolonized Christianity. Yes. Um, so that sounds like getting into more truth and debunks and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. uh, do you want to talk about that and kind of plug his uh, cause? Yes. yes. So my husband, Elijah, has been he's from Nigeria and he's been writing articles like dealing with theology. Mm. But he also has a passion for Africa. And he started writing articles to, to distinguish between that which is influenced by British or colonization culture versus mm. things that are actually biblical. Right. And in Africa, um, specifically Nigeria, lots of people don't know those differences. And there's been such a, like in America, African-Americans have actually made more progress in understanding our blackness and understanding that our blackness is not negative and that we're not inferior than Africans. Mm, and lots wow. of people don't know that. You think Africa is like pride, you know, like, yeah. no, they straighten their hair way more than we do. <laughs> like, wow. you know, they I bleach their skin and everything. Yes. I wouldn't, I wouldn't even believe that. I was just like, dang, man, for real. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, the colonization hit deep. And the reason why it hit deep is mm. here in America, we dealt with racism ongoing. So we we had, and when I say enemy, I'm not talking about a white person, but whiteness. Yeah, yeah. Whiteness is the enemy. And we had the enemy right there in our facility. But right. in Africa, except in South Africa, where they dealt with apartheid, right. um, in other, form, other parts of Africa, other countries, white people weren't there. Right. But the effect of colonization was there. Yep. Mm. And there was, so there was no progress being made. There are even... They still have pictures of white Jesus hanging up on the walls and stuff. Mm. And they think that that's what he really looks like. Mm. And the problem with that is, is, is it, it, it feeds that notion that whiteness is supreme, mm. you know? Yeah. That, that, that dichotomy, like mm. even 
with uh, the Caribbean, of course. My mm-hmm. both my parents are from Jamaica, and everybody thinks that Bob Marley is like mainstream over there. Like, no, <laughs> like that's very outside of the mainstream wow. in society. There is very British still. Yeah, you, you know what I mean. Like a lot of conventions are very British, yeah. and it's very ingrained in, especially in higher society. Mm-hmm. You know what mm-hmm. I mean, and and of course religion isn't really exempt from that as well. And you know, like Jamaica didn't become independent until 1962, guys. Wow. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? From British, yeah. from British colonization. Oh. So, you know, it's only been like, what, 60 years? Yeah. You know, <laughs> so that's not yeah. a, that's a not long a huge, time. Yeah, that's not a long time. You know what I mean? And there wasn't like, like Krista was alluding to, like there wasn't like a whole movement dedicated to undoing the bonds of, you know, what was whiteness or racism or something like that. It just kind of happened the way it happened without that. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's very similar in that vein to maybe what happened in Africa, you know, or it's happening mm-hmm. in Africa. So yeah, so that's right. what Elijah has a um so his website is decolonized Christianity, decolonized Christianity.org. And so mm. he writes blog posts. I mean, he deals with stuff, he deals with just African culture, he deals with decolonizing Christianity, and he deals with theological issues and points and um some of the stuff that we talked about earlier. You know, he it's a very wide range, but his main focus on this website is to he puts this on his um, bio to unshackle the mind of Africa for the sake of nation building, because Christianity mm-hmm. has such a great influence within Nigeria that it affects politics, it affects culture, it affects everything. And so if Christians have bad theology and if Christians still have that that colonized mindset, then mm-hmm. the nation is not moving forward. So mm-hmm. he's seeing good theology and accurate theology and decolonizing theology, like taking the whiteness out of theology, he sees that as a way to build Africa as a nation and and, and get Africa to po- progress. And to sort of just piggyback off of that, personally, I'm in my third conversion experience right now. Right. <laughs> I'm in my third conversion because at this point, I'm decolonizing my own faith. You know, so it went from, you know, no, no conviction to being what Elijah calls spirit cocoa. You know, mm-hmm. I had the spiritual conversion experience and then I had the biblical conversion experience. And now I'm realizing how much even the theology that we as Western Christians accept has so many elements of whiteness within it. Mm. Right. And so, I mean, even um, I'm I'm trying to go all the way back to beyond the church, like before the church fathers, what did the early church look like? Mm-hmm. You know, what, how did they practice Christianity before it was influenced by Greco-Roman society? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know? And that's, that's a hard nerve wracking feat that I'm trying to do right now. I mean, it's, it's got me exploring. Um, I don't know if you guys know about Vince Bantu. He sort oh, of yeah. does that. Yeah. He, he, um, he deals with that and he, he, he looks into like the um, Ethiopian church to understand Mm -hmm. that form of theology. For me, I almost ended up getting pulled into Hebrew Israelite. (laughs) I almost got pulled into it because I liked how they didn't throw away Matthew 
5. They didn't mm. throw I think it was Matthew 5 where Jesus said that I came to um I didn't come to abolish the law but I came to fulfill the law and not one dot or iota will pass away. Mm. But most western Christians have misinterpreted Paul to mean nah, we don't have to I mean of course we're not saved by the law. We're saved by grace. But we've thrown the law all the way away. And because of that, you ask a Christian, what, you know, what are your standards? Each person's going to differ because we don't have a standard. But mm. the law of God and especially the laws of Christ, love your enemy, bless those who curse you, you know, turn the other cheek. Mm-hmm. You know, though the things that Christ commanded us to do, along with some of the things that, you know, weren't done away with or the things that weren't fulfilled by Christ. I mean, of course, the sacrificial laws have been fulfilled because he's the Lamb of God and all of that. But, you know, some of the other laws, the ethical laws didn't disappear. Mm. But in Western Christianity, in in colonized Christianity, we've made it easier because the history of that is so that the um, even the formation of the Catholic Church, it was to make it more palatable for pagans. Right. And so, I mean, this is going down a deep rabbit hole, but I'm gonna keep it short. But that's where I am now. My third conversion experience is getting rid of the whiteness in my mentality, in my interpretation of Christianity and in my influence of my faith mm-hmm. and really trying to gain even a more Hebrew understanding of the Bible without being because Hebrew like. When I started exploring the Hebrew Israelite, I realized they eisegete like a mug and that um, I don't like the fact that they don't like white people and (laughs) that they hate white people. And, Mm. you know, even the situation, they say that white people are the descendants of Edom. But the Bible says that Edomites were destroyed. So, uh, you know, so at that point, I'm like, they have some good in being taking the the word, the, the Bible and the precepts seriously. I believe that that's something we can take. Like I said earlier, cults are good with indoctrinating people. They're good at the precepts, but all the other stuff, the peripheral stuff, nah. Right. Yeah. Right. (laughs) And it's like all seeking context because we had a Christian while black class uh, in January, like the beginning of the year. Um, It's an eight week course by Dr. Mike Patterson um, that he he wrote the course and just kind of tried it out on us on a ministry, you know. So just getting behind a lot of the, you know, traditions in Christianity, especially here in America, you know, as it related to black people, because we've been told that in so many ways that we're not in the Bible, really. Yeah. <laughs> That's been reinforced by some norms to the point where you feel like your blackness does not belong in church yeah you know like the way you carry yourself the way you dress the way you you know it doesn't belong in a church setting yeah you know and it's one thing to you know build convictions to study the law but then when you try to homogenize people i feel like that is something that does not belong in church Mm -mm. you know what i mean and you know but it's a hard sell for some people because like we alluded to earlier in the episode, it's like when you're the majority, it's hard for you to step down off that majority, even if you mean well, because you're just you're having to say, man, what I've known to be true is wrong. You know what I mean? So uh, and that's a hard sell for a lot of people. But and it's easy for the majority to be like, well, you're just complaining as opposed to, 
oh, this is a real thing that we can work on. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, yeah, this is good stuff. This has been a, <laughs> a great conversation. Um, and uh, I guess we're about at that time, right, guys? Anybody else have any more questions? No. No. Good. No? No? good discussion. So um, we are at the point where we go over our final thoughts. So just something that kind of summarizes our conversation or something you want to plug uh, in addition to what we've talked about today. And we'll start with our special guest. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> final thoughts, Krista Idowu. Oh, well, first of all, I'm just blessed that you guys had me on this show in general. Um, I love that you all are doing this. I love the name of it, Conversate, because it's not a word, but it's a word we say. Yeah. I love it. Please name it. I love it. And I'm blessed that you guys are doing this and, and opening up a platform for people to discuss these kind of topics, you know, things that relate to culture, things that relate to um, Christian walking, a Christian faith and all of that. This is, this is great. It was fun. I loved you guys. <laughs> thank, you, thank, you. thank you. Thank you. Final thoughts, Mela G. Yeah, this was, um, this is a really good conversation, especially from the topics and definitely the interview. Um, I think my final thoughts, would be, um, you know, I, I'm sure there's somebody out there that's that's listening to this podcast right now and has listened to everything that we kind of discussed within this interview. And if you feel like you're that person that's, you know, kind of struggling, you know, or you kind of like walked away from God or, um, you know, you have like this, you know, what Kristen was kind of explaining, you know, you have this knowledge of who he is, but you're lacking this intimate relationship um i think there's you know there's steps you know like you have to take steps you know baby steps um you know i I think the biggest thing that i was kind of thinking about that you know darius kind of brought up and krista expounding on is counting the cost i think with anything that you do in life you're always counting the cost everything comes with a price everything comes with a consequence and I think that can ha- kind of help people shift from this perspective of Christianity being this rule, like these list of rules, as opposed to something that's actually thought out and an intentional decision is made because mm-hmm. you understand the cost that comes with it. Yeah. Um, so you think about it like just, you know, reality, you know, if you're accepting a new job, you're going to count the cost and what it's going to cost you to move to that new area especially if it's not in the same state, you know, what are the resources that you're going to have when you're there, especially as a Christian, you know, are you connecting with churches, connecting with people that you can kind of, you know, continue to grow with, you know, what is that environment going to be like for you? Are they paying for any cost to help you move? Like it's, it's so many different things that you're considering, even on that level. And I think it kind of transcends into you making the decision to follow God. So taking that time to really, unpack and like you know having people that has been there done that in the walk in the fight you know that can kind of share that experience to kind of help you with that decision um because like you know krista said this is not a a lonely uh journey (laughs) you should not be doing this alone you should definitely have a team of people um that's helping you every step of the way so that'll be my Mm -hmm. final thoughts final thoughts Stephen neal 
Yes, yes. Um, enjoyed this uh, conversation, and uh, it's been great to talk to Krista. Uh, you know, somebody I've known for a really long time. Um, so I'm just glad to share her story and hear her story too, um, and then share it with our audience. Um, and uh, just a takeaway from this is seek a relationship with God. It's no different than any relationship you have in your life. Like when you're getting to know someone, you're getting to know uh, how they lived, um, their place in the world, um, and just how that all fits together. And so, um, you know, studying the Bible and then books about the Bible, I think that has kind of opened up for me in the last year or two. You know, especially in this pandemic, I've been able to, you know, get with some brothers who are reading books and uh, really not only read, but then bounce it off people with different perspectives um, or different levels of experience with reading spiritual books, because that was something I was very inexperienced in doing. Um, so and just laying down that context over what you've already learned is important. Um, so that you're able to more so forge your own identity, not to be a rebel or, you know, a zealot or anything like that, but to have a real relationship with Jesus. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Just have a real relationship because, you know, he did die for us. And that's a very special gesture, of course, of just grace like uh, Krista alluded to um, you know we're saved by grace we don't earn it we don't deserve it but it happened and it happened for everybody for all time so um, yeah man that's just what I would implore people to do and, and you know that's my final thought and so final thought Darius J <laughs> uh most of the time I try to put a good little bit of thought in my final thought. <laughs> um, I say this. Um, with this life, it comes with this with a set of troubles and and a set of equipment to be able to handle those troubles. You can either decide to tap in and gain those tools and equipment that combat those troubles not to say the troubles will go away as we you know sister said you know krista said earlier like once you get baptized don't mean life is not gonna happen to you you know what i'm saying <laughs> yeah. it just means that you put in a realm in which it gives you tools through words through community you know what i'm saying that can help you to build to help you to fight those things. It, it, just because bad things happen, it, you can learn good things from bad situations. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And to be able to tap into God and his people, the people he put you around, it's your responsibility. You know what I'm saying? Be purposeful, you know what I'm saying, in mm -hmm. your walk with God. Because if you're not, you're not going to be able to tap totally into the things that he put here to really help you to understand what grace and what his love means. Because if you don't, you know what I'm saying? You would, 
people love to say, ah, man, this person brought me to this walk and they left me. Maybe that person just proceeded to go on ahead and do the things that's necessary in order to be able to sustain on that walk. Us, we have to step up and take control of our relationship with God because if we don't, we fail. God didn't fail. We did. You know what I'm saying? Because he put the light here to be shined on you. If you cover yourself up with the shade of whatever you're dealing with, whatever covers your heart, whatever seizes your soul, it's on us. You know what I'm saying? We have to read our Bible. We have to tap into the community. We have to reach out to people and help them along the way. And if you ain't got the word inside of you, you will only be delivering a good feeling that is just like a flash in the pan. Mm. You have to give people the word that's going to sustain them because that's that's what's going to sustain you, the word. And if you're not willing to tap in the word yourself, you won't have anything of sustenance to give because it's a good feeling when you get baptized, when you get converted and all that. But you have to be willing to tap into the word, walk this walk, and deal with the things that's going to come. Because as he said, I will yoke up with you. You know what I'm saying? But they didn't say he was going to take all your burdens and pains away. <laughs> you know, he just said, I'll be there with you. You know what I'm saying? I will ease your hearts and ease your pain as much as I can. But they ain't saying you ain't going to experience that pain. Because as we know, we lose loved ones. We have our reality shaken by COVID and gas prices and whatever happens. You know what I'm saying? But trust God, man. Can I add one last thing? Go ahead. Just for our audience, um, I just want to encourage those who are dealing with questions and doubts right now. Um, for one, God isn't intimidated or offended by your questions and doubts. It doesn't catch him off guard. Yeah. Don't be afraid to ask mm. those questions, um, especially to God. You know, like I said, he's not offended. People might be offended by your questions. They might be mm. thrown off, but God is not offended. And explore, explore. And I, when I say explore, I say explore through spirit and truth. You know, read the Bible and read other resources. Uh, one thing that really helped me is the Bible Project. Thebibleproject.com is a YouTube yeah. channel. Yeah. And um, they even have like master's level theolo um, theology classes that are free online. And it can help you understand the Bible and even the Hebrew, the um, Tanakh better. You know, they it's really it was really helpful in my growth in the faith. So understand truth, but also understand, ask questions and grow in spirit. So ask God to reveal to you his truth. That's where I am now, because it's like sometimes even digging deep in a almost academic theological sense, it can sometimes lead you away because I mean, it could lead to more questions, but that's not to say not to do it because you don't want the questions. You don't want to become you don't want to throw your brain at the door when you're mm. walking through this walk. But, you know, when it's feeling overwhelming and even when it's not feeling overwhelming, ask the Holy Spirit to guide you in your understanding and know that the Holy Spirit is a person, that God is a person. You know, he's not just something that we talk about and that's in a book. You know, he's actually someone who's present with us today. Yep. And so, you know, be aware of that as you're exploring and asking the questions. I'm I'm on that journey right now. I'm still I call myself devout with doubts like mm. I'm I'm. 
I'm honoring and following the word of God, but I still wrestle with doubts every single day, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I don't do. Yeah, don't be discouraged. <laughs> don't, don't be, be discouraged, discouraged if you have deep, deep foundational doubts because God can answer those questions for you. And um, you know, if you need someone to talk to, you can hit me up on Instagram at the love activist. Um, you can hit me up and inbox me and I'll be willing to be a listening ear because I'm not going to judge you because I'm there too, you know, but you know, I just, I pray that, you know, those of you who are going through um, deconstructing of your faith and decolonizing of your faith or just questioning of your faith. I pray Mm. that God will lead you towards truth. Mm. Okay. I like that. Everybody, like I said, man, you guys, yeah, it's always a pleasure, you know what I'm saying, <laughs> hopping on this platform with you guys. And thank you, Krista Adowu, for joining us and shedding light, you know what I'm saying, for people that might be in your situation, going through your situation, or maybe on that path of, of deconstruction, you know what I'm saying. I appreciate that. Thank y'all for listening out there in the uh, lexicon of the internet. You know what I'm saying? I appreciate y'all sharing us. I pray y'all like y'all just have a good week, man. You know what I'm saying? Handle this uh, time with a smile on your face. Right, because we don't have any masks anymore, so we can actually see. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Take care of yourself. You know, walk in love. Yeah, Yeah, man. This was conversation. We talked about it. We talked about it. We talked about it. And what might also put a smile on your face is knowing what our next guest will be or who there will be. So, Mella, get your drumsticks ready. Our guest for episode 61 will be... King, the king, Adrian. Uh, we're gonna get into their dynamic as a couple, what they do, and more. You know, conversate style, of course. Yeah, know how we do. do. Yeah. So, so that's it, guys. We will see you on June thirteenth. But in the meantime, we'll we'll check in. That's right. We'll check in. Check the IG. We'll be out here checking in frequently, dropping something on y'all. It's just next week's Memorial Day. Go be with your family. Yeah, go barbecue. You know, we eat some barbecue yeah, or relax. some uh, whatever. Do whatever you do. <laughs> we love y'all. We out. We turkey legs. Exactly. Full circle. All right, guys. So we're going to end the live, and we will see y'all next time.